fair that we had to play a team whose rebuild was over and ours ours isn't. Yeah, I was joking about that both games watching them. I kept talking about how it's they're a team that's way ahead of the rebuild and they've ended the rebuild last year. So and I think they're light years ahead ahead of every other team in the Atlantic as well. Yeah, they're definitely pushing. I mean, if I check the standings quick, I think it'll show that they're pushing for the cup this year. The Ottawa Senators. Oh, no, never mind. They're below the Red Wings. Um, <laughs> Pierre Dorian, uh, he made that comment. And then I love how he like last year was he backtracked right away. Was like, well, I was kidding. You know, I got a little excited. But um, yeah, the Red Wings, again, now in the midst of a six game losing streak. Um, this is definitely the dog days of the season. Uh, before we got on, Grant and I both talking about like, oh, what are we going to talk about? And it's just like, well, we can rip on the Red Wings for an hour. But uh, yeah, we'll try to get some positive things out of it. I think there are some things to give and take out of this. But uh, yeah, uh, before we start, actually, anyway, I should introduce ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the Production Line Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. Yeah, and uh, before we start, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the, the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Whew. All right. I'm getting better at that. Slightly. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. But yeah, the Red Wings played three games since we last talked. There was also like a pretty significant firing in the organization that feels like ages ago at this point, which we still don't really have any details on. But I mean, it is worth mentioning. Uh, Al Sabatka uh, released from – he was terminated by the Red Wings. Uh this is saying it was reported by the Detroit News. Um, for the I most people probably know, but Al Sabaka was the longtime rink uh, operations manager, uh, famous for swinging the octopus around. Uh, Ali Octopus, named after Al Sabaka. Uh, obviously, details are pretty hazy at best at this point. So I know there's rumors about him getting uh, representation for possible. Um, what's the term I'm blanking on right now. Um, firing, but not, Oh my God. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Do you have the term? I have no idea. <laughs> A wrongful termination. Thank you. All right. I got it. We got there. there. Go. Um, but yeah, no. So obviously a, tough thing for Red Wing fans to get past without a lot of exp- like explanation from the team themselves. Um, I know he's kind of a little bit before like our era with like the iconic with the real iconic swinging of the octopus, but I mean, he still did it like well into our childhood and I guess he will be missed for sure in that sense. I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts other than that. Not really. I these situations are really difficult to chime in on when you have no idea what's going on. So it's not even worth, worth it in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I get that completely. Um, but yeah, we turn over to the, the Wednesday game, uh, another TNT 
uh, broadcast because, you know, the Red Wings aren't on national broadcasts enough. True. I think that makes it – that's what, we're 0-8 now uh, on national TV? Uh, I'm not sure how that works because technically they've only been on TNT three times, correct? Twice. 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 So I guess that's only the only national televised games, right? Oh, I guess ESPN Plus, excuse me, is not. Because you can watch all games on ESPN Plus, so. Right. I suppose you could look at it that way. I think more so I meant as in, I guess, ESPN, like exclusive, like not Ken and Mick games. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, TNT is just so much like it's so much better. Um, I thought business game was super funny as well. The way he was going, going about cider and the eyes are plan and him like <laughs> the uh, evil laugh going. Yeah. After the first period. They're a pretty enjoyable crew to watch. Comparatively to the NBCSN crew last last umpteen years that were just horrendous to watch, not gonna lie. And I mean, ESPN's been kind of disappointing as well because I kind of just view ESPN as NBCSN, but they sit on comfy chairs. It's <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> representation. I think that's the only difference, to be completely honest. Uh, like, cool, like John Tortorella occasionally says some crazy shit, but. Yeah, and other... he's more just ESPN Plus too. He's not even like on ESPN, is he? Um, I don't know. I think yeah, I don't think yeah. The the regular ESPN broadcasts are like Mark Messier, um, Chris Chelios, and that one other dude. Yeah, Arda O'Caller. No, 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 no. Um, or what's his uh, name? No, O'Caller's like, oh man, he's like the um, he's like Sean McDonough or something like that. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know. And I haven't seen Torts on one of the ESPN Plus games in a, in a while now, too. And that was when they were at their peak, was when Torts was ban- bantering back and forth with others. And that makes it enjoyable to watch an intermission when you have John Tortorella just speaking his mind. Maybe he's uh, he's prepping for an interview. Uh, yeah, I was going to say he's... Uh, he's I honestly, I don't care. Just give it to him. I mean, can't be any worse. The it, only thing with Tortorella, though, he's got that shelf life. It'd be really interesting. It would absolutely be really interesting. I know Philip Zadina would never make it, for starters. Jacob I, dis- I disagree. Would, you don't think Zadina would make it? You think Zadina I do. Would make it? Really? He'd become a completely different player, but he'd make it. He's got work ethic... It's just the whole finishing thing, which isn't a problem for Torts. Torts will make him into a work-your-ass-off type of player. Uh, Jacob Verana might not make it. Yeah, he's definitely the better comparison for the two. I, I guess I kind of misspoke. Uh, but, yeah, Raymond and Sider would play all the minutes. And Dylan Larkin. He would really like Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Yes. So, I mean, all the current guys, I, mean, I, I guess, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be that bad of a fit. But... Uh, I would argue that the Red Wings – would maybe be a playoff team, not a playoff team, but the teams that John Tortorella had brought to the playoffs in Columbus and swept the lightning with, uh, were not good teams. Questionable at, at best. Yeah. They shouldn't have been playoff teams. He knows how to make players buy in. I'm not saying that would be good for the Red Wings at, in their state right now. I just think it would be kind of hectic and fun. It would be, I'd be curious to how it would go. Um, 
Yeah, this game, yeah, the red the final is a five four overtime loss versus the Rangers, and the Red Wings did have the lead in this game. Um, so you know they they stay on you know par for the course. I do my favorite thing right now going on. By the way, Dan DeKaiser and Mark Stahl back in the lineup, which we'll get to Dan DeKaiser because I do want to talk about him a little bit. But I love how Jordan Osterley is either top pair twenty three minutes a night, uh, scratched or fourth line left wing. I have no understanding on what goes through a coach's head where you're playing a guy 23 minutes or scratching him. Where's the median or the medium? I, I honestly have no – I where is his head at? This like, is I, I think Osterley, when he's being overplayed, like I guess – I don't even know. He looks good one game and then he looks bad the next. But why why is he going from 23 minutes to scratch or scratch to 23 minutes? <laughs> Sorry, and then like I, I we'll get to well, we can get to the Ottawa game too. But yeah, like I I don't I didn't disagree with like getting Dan DeKaiser back in. And I actually thought like I guess we'll talk about it now, but yeah, I thought Dan DeKaiser looked kind of good this game. Yeah, I would argue it was his best game in probably maybe four months, three months. But also that's the same thing that kind of happened last year when he came back from waivers he had a good game or two right uh so i mean i guess he kind of brought some defensive stability where he didn't make a whole lot of mistakes and he wasn't jumping into the rush which when he jumps into the rush he ends up making those bad mistakes and then it gets really really ugly yeah i thought he kept it really simple um what was it it was it was this game right he hit um who do you hit for the breakout passes? It was Ras. It was the Rasmussen goal. He hit um, Hiroshi in the middle, and then Hiroshi went to the wing, and Rasmussen scored probably the worst goal of his career. Yeah, uh, Georgiev's pretty good. Uh, he he's on par with the like him and Thomas Grice are just competing for who's who's worse. I mean, there's a couple goalies in that that uh, talk right now. Yeah, I sent I yeah I sent you that um that Micah McCurdy um graph, and yeah. it was Kevin Lankinen I think is the worst on that. Okay, I don't buy into those analytics. Like uh like some I I like analytics right, but that one I don't like. I do not think Kevin Lankinen is the worst goalie in the NHL right now. You if you watch a Chicago Blackhawks game, they are one of the worst teams on the planet, and Kevin Lankinen makes so many hung out to dry saves. Like last night I was watching the Arizona Chicago game and the amount of point blank backdoor passes he saved last night was ridiculous. And he was kind of in a similar situation as Grice has been in this year where he's being thrown in every five games. Right. And so you're coming in cold after not playing for a while. And then he would let up like three goals right away. <laughs> kind of like what was happening with Grice. But I, I do not think, Kevin Lankinen is that bad. I would like to see one with just starters only so we could see like who the worst starters are. Now I guess Lankinen is the starter, but like Philip Grubauer, I think is a, a catastrophe. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, no, no, that works. Yeah, he's horrendous. He's he's fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, <sighs> That was, yeah, they're hard. Like some of them, like that makes a lot, a lot of sense. If you look at Connor Hellebuck on there, he's like getting left out to dry, but he's actually like doing well, which like fits Winnipeg's defensive structure so well. Yeah, because he, Winnipeg is awful uh, defensively. I, 
and that's a big thing right now is where Flurry was on that chart. He was right in the middle, almost towards the the lesser of the goalies, but he's played for Chicago all year, and mm-hmm. he's held like a 91 save percentage. And yeah. I think that is very fabulous, actually, for playing for Chicago. And now he's in Minnesota, where they are a team that if they get up by – a goal or two, you are not going to even get a shot from outside the top of the circles. They are yeah. such a lockdown structured defensive core. And I love, like, they put on a clinic every game defensively, especially since the trade deadline. Cam oh, Talbot, so I don't now. think Cam Talbot or Flurry has given up a goal, like more than one goal since the trade deadline. And yeah. that's, that's such a good structure that they have built up there. And I think Dean Evans, Evans, Evanson should win. Coach of the year. Uh, coach of the year, yeah. He's up there for me. He's up there for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I jokingly, I think I texted this in the group chat to get back into this game, but this game may, makes me want to draft a defenseman with our first pick. Yeah. Philip Peronic is legit not a – he's not an NHL option at this point. Uh, I mean, it depends how you look at it. He's such a – a weird player where he'll go through a hot spell like he just did. It was probably a three-week thing where he mm-hmm. was arguably the second-best defenseman on the team. Right. And he was fabulous, in my opinion. That was the best he's been all season. And that's the Philip Peronic I'm you've seen in the past and stuff. But recently, he's been horrible. But it's hard to just blame it on him. You can't just point your finger and say he's been terrible because the whole defensive course has been horrible. And it I mean, starts I think, from top, top down. Nobody has been really good. I think Jake I mean, Wallman's been the best defenseman in the last three games. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, for Hironic, this game specifically I was talking about was, um, I mean, the first goal giving it basically just gave it to Ryan Reeves. Yeah, no, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. I just don't think you can say that, he is not an NHL option because he's proven that he has been an NHL option. I'm just saying he hasn't been spectacular this year in which I thought he would be better this year in a more sheltered role, which I guess kind of, he hasn't been sheltered as much as I would like him to be sheltered. Uh, It goes to where the whole stuff about coming out about Roman Yossi and how, Nashville has sheltered his minutes a bit and is heavily unloading the top line minutes with Carrier and Ekholm, right? That's really should... not that true, though. It is kind of, though. Uh, Romeo is averaging 21 minutes, five on five a game. Yeah, but I mean, he's not getting all the top oh, lines okay. in the league where the top lines are mostly going up against Carrier, Carrier and Ekholm when Nashville's at home, right? That's, that's their matching up against. I don't think Hironic should ever match up against the first line. Granted, no, a sec- no. granted a second line. And then his his numbers will look a lot better. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of the games on that three-week stretch that I'm talking about, he was even, if not plus, every game. And the Red Wings were losing every single game. He's doing something right. Recently, these last three games, he's been atrocious. I don't think he should ever play against a first line, let alone sometimes even a second line. Yeah, is it a little too tinfoil hat theory for me to think that as soon as the trade deadline was over, Philip Peronick's game went to the shitter? 
<laughs> I yeah, I don't know. Um, it seems it seems like that, but um, no. To go back to your point, like Phil Peronic, like getting more sheltered minutes, right? It is kind of hard for me, like, because I think Phil Peronic's playing where he should be is the second right-handed defenseman on paper, right? That makes yep. sense. No, yeah, for sure. And he's making second pair money. Four point four million is second pair money. So my issue is he should be able to handle twenty minutes a night, roughly. Within yeah, I mean, 18, middle six, eighteen to twenty, I would play in middle six lines. But he he really isn't like he. I know sometimes he does end up against the top line guys, which is going to happen throughout a game. So that's just my concern at this point of like where he's at and for the future. Like he's making money. Like I don't see a like a reality where it makes sense to have him as a bottom pair guy. Yeah, I just and the one thing that's so shocking to me is that he was doing a lot of that three-week stretch playing with Jordan Osterley because Stahl was out. And how that correlates to me, like, not well. How is that happening? Jordan Osterley can be a a very random defenseman where he's either very good or very bad. And very good as in he moves the puck well and gets the puck up ice basically that's about all he's good at and invisible skates skates well he can be invisible in other (laughs) games he is very very visible in a very poor way where i i guess to me how is heronic doing so well defensively and still creating offense while playing with jordan osterley and then recently he's been horrible since stall's been back and he's been playing with stall oh my stall's been bad too i don't think they should be a pair no. I guess I want to see more experimenting with Hironek because I do think he is a good number four defenseman probably. On a good team, he can be a good a good number four defenseman when he's playing perfectly, right? Yeah, I think so too. He's, he's so young too. And I feel like to me, I get this in my head that he's 27 years old, which it's because he's been in the league for how long now? It feels four years now. If, well, these four years have felt like 20 years. Right. Quite honestly. So it feels like he's 67 years old, but that math doesn't add up. But uh, I guess he is a deep dive player that I think really needs to be studying film on the daily with a very reliable defensive minded person. Okay, so just spitballing here for pairs. How do you think about these? I just thought of these. How about Jake Wallman with Hronik? And then I'm, you go Mark. Then you go Mark Stahl with Cider. Uh no, no. I don't like Stahl with Cider. Um, I also don't really like Wallman with Hronik. I guess it's the whole thing we had talked about in the past about the whole the whole. Edvinson Hironic pairing that everyone so wants to see where I think Wallman plays a similar I don't really think anyone plays a similar style to Edvinson he's he's very unique but if I guess Wallman kind of plays that uh he likes to create as a Nick Letty and Nick Letty and Hironic did not work out at all yeah I I do like Wallman and Lindstrom together a lot yeah, Gus Lindstrom's another guy who's struggled a little bit. Okay. Yes. Um, basically, the whole defensive core has struggled. I honestly wouldn't. 
I mean, I guess like there's not really any, anyone that I want with Ronick, to be quite honest. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't hate to see him throw him a cider. Yeah, but then, I mean, but then he's playing against first pairing or first liners, which I just said I did not want to see because I don't know. And then Stahl does not look good against first liners either. We yeah. really don't honestly. I'm not going to say it. Oh, you want to go back to the old reliable? <laughs> old Danny, old Danny boy. <laughs> Is it bad that I think he might be the best option against top liners with cider? Dandy, oh, you're talking about cider right now. I thought you were talking about heronic Dan DeKaiser. No, hell no. I, I don't <laughs> want to see that ever again. <laughs> I'm saying, do I trust Dan DeKaiser the most against over Osterly and Stahl with cider? Yeah, like my dream scenario, like my dream pair would be Walman Cider right now. But me too. But I don't think you can throw. Yeah, that together. yeah, no, no. I I was just gonna say that I I completely agree with that. But yeah, other than that, like I think I personally would still try Stall and Cider, because I think if you look at their analytics, like they have very favorable um, goals for uh, expected goals for, because Stall is an absolute menace on the wall, and Cider is uh... pretty reliable in the sense that like, he doesn't really get like stuff doesn't really get behind him stall everything gets behind him so that's the issue so my issue is with that is stall is best vault this year especially when he's playing active and cider also likes to play really active and that pairing to me does not work at all and stall has been not fabulous against top lines i i guess you know what i i guess you know what you should go back to is Stahl and Lindstrom try to create some stability for Lindy. And mm-hmm. that gives Stahl some capability to jump into plays. And then the pairing that you mentioned, I wouldn't hate to see Wallman in Heronic. And, okay. then, and then either DK or Osterly with Cider. Yeah, either you know seventh defenseman or top pairing. Yeah, I got it. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, that's what he's been doing all year, so. It may, yeah, it's the weirdest. Like, it's it's so funny to watch, and it's just like that's what I know. I'm like, all right, you're not a good coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to get back to this game, um, a positive I do have out of this is um the power play. I thought the power play looked real good. I think it's yeah. a Rangers team whose penalty kill is very dangerous, like shorthanded. With Zabanajad is like a, like he's usually one of the uh, near the top for shorthanded goals. Um. Uh, I to my thought knowledge. It, yes, he is. I, I thought okay. it looked good. Uh, I don't know that it looked as good as you think it looked. I know they scored two goals on it, but both okay. goals were kind of the one, but from Verona should never went in. That was terrible. Kind of no, I, I just thought like the movement was good. And I know we talked about with um you mentioned um, to me over the phone, how you want Verona on a different unit, but I do think there's a at the point of the I we can get into it more, but I did like Verona on the first unit. Okay, I'll I'll hop into why I don't think that works right now. Okay, um, I I see the Red Wings as a team that have these these a couple weapons on a power play, and. I don't think you should put all those weapons on one power play 
like a Washington or Vancouver does because Washington and Vancouver have five weapons on the ice at all times on the power play. And that makes it really dangerous where a team can get really frustrated and not know what to do at some points. And that makes a power play very dangerous. You have five legitimate weapons that when you move the puck, there is a high chance they're going to shoot the puck and it could go in where I see if the Red Wings stack that unit, I see three weapons when they're shooting because Bertuzzi and Larkin aren't going to get the touches that they so would want. I also don't think Verona's going to get the touches if he's playing on that top unit that they would want because this power play strictly and over the course of the year has ran through Cider and Raymond. And I think you should stick to that. You should focus this first unit on running through Cider and Raymond. And then you should base a second unit running through probably Larkin and Verona and with Wallman quarterbacking that. And that's yeah. just, I, I see that as they, it's a very different system that they should run compared to a Washington or Vancouver are my examples, because I think both those teams have, I, I love Vancouver's like five players that they use on a power play. I don't think it's always been the best, but they're set up and finding their bumper man kind of similar to the way Washington used to find Oshi. It's not been as much, but uh, I, I really like those units and I think the Red Wings should do the complete opposite. And they did go to that the second, kind of sort of the second game or the, the Ottawa games, I should say. And to, to be fair, I thought that second unit was way better that game. Oh, definitely was. Um, definitely. Uh, but yeah, on this game, uh, there was just, it's just a couple of bad breakdowns. Again, the Heronic on the Panarin one, him and Stahl both got caught behind the net. That overtime goal, too, um, where Suter and Bertuzzi just completely lost. Um, Andrew Kopp, the Red Wing killer. Yeah, completely. They both they both just didn't communicate, and Hronik's two on one, and he didn't defend well either of the two on one. But I mean, I can't really blame him. Uh, yeah. I mean, Andrew Kopp's gonna be a future Red Wing, so I don't really. He can he can get his cookies while he can. He's just getting used to the Joe Lu- or the uh, Joe Lewis, the uh, Little Caesars Arena ice. Yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, another the other power play goal too, Bertuzzi. A uh, slap shot from the slot. Not something you see every day. Yeah, that was, to me, still another fluky goal. I mean, his rotation with Cider was perfect, and Cider made a really nice move on the blue line, and that was just a sniz. But when do you see Bertuzzi up that high on the power play ever? No, you, you don't. don't. And why Why would he shoot that? <laughs> I don't – I mean, I. it was a snipe, but that's just, like, not a shot you would typically see Bertuzzi take on the power play. So, to I mean, both goals on the power play that were scored were flukes. Yeah, oh, man, I had I had a conversation with Fugue a few months back. He's like, "Why don't the Red Wings use Tyler Bertuzzi in, in the bumper?" I'm like, "Have you seen his shot? He's <laughs> <laughs> not particularly good. That's not Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi's strength is finding the back of the net, which makes him a good shooter. But his like his um technical shooting skill is not very good. No, that's why like guys to me that are I know I always bring them up, but Bo Horvat and TJ Oshie are two of my favorite bumper guys in the league. Because I think yeah. they are so technically sound when shooting from that position. And I think Larkin is a guy that could develop that technical shooting from there. Well, if you look what... in the fu- if you look in the future too, like the Red Wings have so many half all guys. 
where Larkin's going to have to develop into be a bumper guy. Cause I mean, you have Bergeron who's going to be, he's nearing ready. Uh, and he's, he's perimeter. Yeah, he is. Um, Veron, obviously Raymond. Um, yeah. And maybe Zadina. I mean, we'll see. I also tell. think Zadina is a, he's a weird one, but he could develop into a bumper too. Uh, yeah, they tried him. We can, we can talk about the Ottawa game with that, but, um, yeah, five, four loss to the Rangers when there was a lead. I mean, it was tough because the tying goal went off Sider's skate in the penalty on the penalty kill from Kreider, who was just piss hot. I think he's what 47 goals in the year or 46. Yeah, 46, I think. Unbelievable. I think I think 23 of them are power play goals or something like that. Yeah, which I mean, I'm not, I'm not, ta- I'm not taking anything away from him. He's he looks good on the ice too. Like, I'm not saying uh, none of those are earned. He's he looks legit. He's a good player. Um, I also thought Lafreniere looked really good for the Rangers as well this game. He's every game I've watched recently of the Rangers, uh, which I try to limit watching the Rangers. I think they're boring, but Laugh looked good. Yeah, he's looked very good. He's been one of their best players when I've watched. Yeah, for sure. And again, I felt bad. I felt bad for Nidalkovich's game because, like, again, I felt like he played better than what his save percentage was because I think it was like an eight eight eighty or something like that. And it's, I feel like that's kind of been more recently what he's kind of gotten into is just like he deserved better. Um, also with Zadina, he played eight minutes and 43 seconds this game. Yeah. Seems smart. Yeah. Not, uh, not ideal for sure. Which we can have a, a conversation about towards the end. Um, yeah. Going to the Ottawa, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to link the two games together because I think they're, they're basically the same. I don't really see much difference in the games. Yeah, they're both terrible. So we can kind of like get our thoughts because there wasn't really that much difference. I mean, Bertuzzi didn't play the second game because obviously in Canada, but as soon as they announced Show- Showguard was starting, uh, that's a guaranteed win. I think the Red Wings are now uh, our, our rookie goalies making their debuts are six and zero against the Red Wings, dating back. Uh, I don't remember the exact year. Maybe I have it. Hold on. I do not have it. Never mind. Actually, never mind. Since 2000, 2001, which is quite silly. Um, but yeah, 5-2 were both the finals. Um, two hat-tricks given up as well. Two first-time hat-tricks given up in back-to-back games, which that makes now, that is the sixth time, I think, in of the season, which is the most uh, in a season, I think, for, for a team. I, I, I feel like that's a stat. Maybe I'm making that up, but um, yeah, man. Of course, it's Matthew Joseph too. The first one, he was playing first line, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I honestly didn't notice him except when he scored. Yeah, like he was all over the place. I yeah, you know who I really like this game for Ottawa. Who's that? Br- Brandstrom. I I liked his game a lot. It I mean, fine. yeah. I mean, I again, yeah. <laughs> Ottawa's like, I really like Josh Norris a lot too. And I think it hurts me a little bit every time from the 2017 draft. And I'm like, we could have had our two, set, two second line center right there. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of good players. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then I like, they're, we made, we made the joke in the beginning about like them saying the rebuild's over, but they legit have a bunch of really good pieces. Yeah. But like, it's with, just not enough. <laughs> Well, no, 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 and they also, I, they have the issue of bringing in those veteran pieces to fill around. Yeah, 
because I f- like they have like the the top end guys of Batherson, Kachuk, Norris, Shabbat's like one of my favorite defensemen to watch. He's so good. Sanderson's coming in next year and he's or he's coming in this year. He's gonna finish out the season. Um Shane Pinto's good. Um Formanton I like. Not well, I didn't like him in the second game, but I mean we can get to that. Uh, but no, they have a ton of pieces. Just it's just like they bring in the wrong veteran guys. Like Travis giving up Travis giving up a third for Travis Hamannick is honestly laughable. Also, picking Tyler Boucher is pretty laughable too. With uh, what was that tenth overall? Yep, tenth overall. There's so many other players you could have literally took. I mean, Cole was... Sillinger's playing in the NHL right now. I I don't know, like, yeah, yeah. That's just. I shouldn't say anything too bad, but that's it's sad. I liked was it the Jay Fresh tweet clapping back in an Ottawa Senators fan when they brought up that Tyler Boucher had a three point night in like the OHL and was like, yeah, I'd hope a nineteen year old would do that in the OHL. Yeah, and to add on to that, it was literally an eleven to two game, I think, or a nine to two game. It's hilarious, but yeah, like when I watched him at Boston, he was the thirteenth forward. Like when he's playing at BU yeah. earlier this year. And that's not the case ever for a player that's a top 10 pick usually. No, I'd, I'd, I had to look up the lineup sheet to figure out who that was. I had no idea. I'd, I for, I totally forgot he's a player. Yeah, yeah I was shocked when they took him. Even like, like I, I mean, I, I said that Cole Stillinger would be a guy that I kind of wanted to hate the Red Wings to take at the time when they were picking six if they were going to reach – that's a guy that I would have wanted them to reach. And I know you had said Coronado. And if I look back on that, like Coronado would be a guy that I would have wouldn't have hated to see them reach out. Yeah, Why would you not like take like a guy like Coronado or Sillinger at that pick? They were like, oh, oh, we got we got enough of uh, you know, them uh them skill guys. So you know, we're gonna take a gritty guy. Um those attitudes are hard to come by. Mm, yes, yes. I don't know, I don't know what like impersonation you're trying to do there like it sounds like old that's like hockey man yeah that's like, my uh pure dorian pure dorian i don't know what, what like. i don't know what he talks like but i'm not that's what sounds like he's it. he kind of sounds like he's nervous all the time and he like looks around and makes sure he said the right thing so that that's perfect i sounded like i was nervous <laughs> pure mcguire would have been good too yeah you could you could have listed off what what his hometown was what's his favorite uh deli meat i mean you know, all the I like when I when I met Pierre McGuire, all you need to know is he put his arm around me first when we took a picture together. So well, I mean we met Pierre McGuire together. Yeah. That was honestly though, I like I try not to rip on Pierre McGuire too much because like he was very nice with his time. Weird with the arm placement, but like also he did not have to like be nice in a picture. He was awesome. He was like so excited that we were taking a picture with him. Yeah, like I don't know. Like, yeah, he's like my, I, my favorite part about that was though that he decided to put his arm around me first before yes. I put my arm around him, which that was a little odd, but you, you know, he was excited for a pick. You know, I, yeah. it's hard. I still have that picture on my phone. Yeah, um, me too. It's like one of my favorite pictures ever. Yes. Me, me and Pierre just kicking back. And then Austin, uh, um, the Carolina hurricanes mascot stormy yeah. legendary. Yeah. It's good stuff. Anyway, back to, yeah. Oh my God. We went off track big time. That's okay. We love the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, again, this game, the first game anyway, um, uh, I think it can kind of be defined by uh, the fire blast chance at the end of the game were audible. 
and there wasn't that many people left in the arena with two minutes left. Like everyone was leaving to beat traffic, but man, uh, it's, it's not looking good. I was pissed that I messed up my parlay. Yeah. Cause I hammered Buffalo to win in the RJ night and Oh, did they? And I was like, great. The Red Wings are going to win. They've been on a little bit of skid. Nope. Nope. Um, yeah. Uh, really. I thought Lucas Raymond had a really good game. I mean, scored twice. Uh, the first goal with Jake Wall, him and Jake Wallman passing back and forth and Wallman absolutely ripping it and Shogard couldn't hold it. And then uh, Raymond, Raymond beat Tim Stutzla to the net. I have a couple of different opinions on that that are a little more Debbie Downer than you were about this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I didn't think Raymond was that great. I thought both his goals, he was just right position, right time, which is good, right? You need to be in the right position to score goals. Great. Uh, but I mean, I didn't think he was, I didn't really notice him all that much. Besides, he had two goals. Uh, that Wallman shot was a dumb shot if it did not go through Anton Forsberg. That is a terrible shot on a two-on-one. First of all, it was right in his glove, and it was pretty far out. But it was such a hard shot that it literally went through his glove. That's why it's funny. That It is really funny. I laughed super hard when I saw it happen. Like, But you need to walk that in a little bit more and try to make something happen. Nope. I'm just going to take a, a ripper from right here. He's just going to go through his glove. And then why I was going to hustle give, by Raymond. Why does he kind of give me Merrick Sidlicky vibes? No. He <laughs> literally gives me, he gives me Nick Letty vibes, except I think he's better in this system than Nick Letty yeah. was. Like Nick Letty in St. Louis right now, he is so fun to watch. And I think he was terrible in Detroit, except that Minnesota game. He was electrifying. He was the best Red Wing in that game. Yes, by far. It was unbelievable that game. We played like 25 minutes that game. Like the coaching staff did one right thing. We're like, yeah, we're not taking Nick Letty off the ice. Yeah, they should have played him all 60 minutes. I do think like under, yeah, I think you're right. Like Nick Letty under a different coaching staff, I think would have been a perfect defenseman for um, Mo Sider. Yes. And I he's like so a solid enough. He's a perfect four. Like he's a number four on a good team. Like when the Blues are fully healthy, he's going to be a number four guy. And he'll be just be fine. He'll be fine. Like everyone I, thought he, but it's, for, from the season he had, the Red Wings did very well on the return. I think it's awesome. Like what he's doing right now. Cause he had to, he had to really step up because right when he, his first game crew got hurt. Right. And so he's getting thrown mm-hmm. on the, he's on the first unit now. I did see he's, that. He's playing like big minutes right now for St. Louis. I don't know. Like it's good for him. Did you, speaking of St. Louis, do you see the, him awkwardly standing in that uh, Jake Neighbors video where he was like, he didn't know what to do. He's like, who is this guy that is like, everyone's like laughing at Cause he was, Jake Neighbors was saying that Robert Thomas like noticed him or whatever. And then Nick Lay was right behind Robert Thomas and Robert Thomas, Thomas was dying laughing. And that was the led, funniest video was ever. Just right there, like looking around. He like didn't know what to do. It was hilarious. I love the idea of like having your prospect that like started the season, like in their, the junior town when like, obviously Edmonton works where they play in the same arena. Mm-hmm. So Jake neighbors is like wearing sunglasses and a, a Jersey and nobody recognizes him. And it's well, so funny. It's just cool because Joe's like the guys probably love him. And yeah, I mean, he already played his nine games, didn't he? Crap. Yeah. He looked good. I, I heard it was a tough decision. Like I, they didn't really want to get rid of him. But couldn't they 
bring him up but and then have to burn his ELC if they brought him after the junior season's over? How would that work? Because I'm not um in the regular season, I think that would burn his ELC, but if they um if it's playoffs, I think that doesn't. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Because he's a guy that I would be interested to see. I mean, not that their bottom six is weak, but I mean, I think you could upgrade on like Torpachenko and stuff. I mean, he's not yeah, he's terrible. He's kind of whatever. And then Nathan Walker is, I mean, he had a hat trick against the Red Wings, so I shouldn't really say anything. So he's sick. Yeah. So he's sick. Yeah. No, like, um, get back to this game. We were talking about the power play on the first game, and it, they were this, the two split units with uh, Wallman, Wallman finally getting on a power play unit. And I think you you texted me, like, how fast the one shot was. And it was only, like, 93, but it seemed a lot It looked like it was, like, 120-plus. <laughs> They should put him in the hardest shot competition. I think him and Martin Furk should just go all out. Yeah, they should just play them two on the, the power play. We should trade yes, for him. We should. Um, but no, I really – yeah, that, I agree. The second unit looked so much better than the first. The first unit, I, I don't know what was going on with it. Like, they were just sloppy, especially the second game. They looked really bad. They looked dead. They looked like they have no motivation to even be out there when the power yeah. play hits. It looks like – okay. Chalk it up, power plays wraps. I know Dad's mentioned something about like Larkin at this point. He looks defeated and stuff, and I agree with that. But I'm wondering how much is weighted by the news that came out about about Larkin and why what it, why he missed his personal. Um, we took the personal time, which um, obviously thought I'm not going to say it, but thoughts are with both of them as like she uh, his girlfriend announced it, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's hard for me to point any fingers, you know what I mean, like at this point of the season where the defense has gone so sour and Larkin I, – like I, and I, the second Ottawa game, I should say, Larkin was a menace on the penalty kill, and I should give him a ton of credit for that. Um, he still cares. Well, it's obviously he still cares. It's yeah. just right now I think he needs a change of line mates, and a, there needs to be a spark. Right. I think his offense has died off drastically. Yep. I think that mm-hmm. whole line has died off. That line needs to be shaken up. I also think would that... you move would you move Raymond then off of it? Yes. Ooh. Okay. I do I had that thought as well. Because there was a shift where Verona was with Valeno and Raymond. And I was like, huh. But I if we're gonna spark it, I would throw Verona with Larkin. Okay, want to hear my thought? Okay, let's go for it. Let's have fun. Uh, well, so we had kind of alluded to the misusage of you think Verona's been misused a, a little bit, right? I, I mean, mean, he's I, averaging he's averaging less than fifteen minutes a, a night throughout the season. So yes, I don't think he's a guy that should be playing more than sixteen to seventeen a night. I disagree, but go on. Okay, I think he can be a defensive liability. Okay, I, sh- I should rephrase that. Uh, maybe like 17 to 18 is more. Okay. six Anywhere from 16 to 18. He shouldn't be playing 13 to 15 a night. I think he is very dangerous 5-on-5 five five offensively, which is something you need to take all advantage in. But I don't think he, he's a guy that I feel like you also need to minimize his D-zone touches, right? Almost like the Ducks have sheltered Zegris in the D-zone. You need to shelter 
Braun in the D zone. Yeah. Um, I, I think he should be playing right now. I want to see Larkin, Verana, and Zadina on a line. Yes. And uh, Zadina just needs to be playing more. He hasn't had opportunities. Really frustrated right now. I think you should play him up with Larkin and Verana. Whether or not that's the first line, I don't really care. I think that those three are three guys that I will I would love to see together right now. And at the state you're in, why not do that? I, I don't understand why we're keeping the same lines every game. Also, for a second line. I think I know you're going with this. There is no way in hell Leno should be seeing anywhere from 9 to 13 minutes a night. He has oh been God. arguably the best forward on the Red Wings in this recent stretch. Dude, he had the most, he had the most energy uh, besides like Larkin on the penalty kill. I feel like he had brought the most energy, but other than that, I thought Valena was our most energetic. I've player. said this for the last month. He's been a rock star and he's been getting better and better every week. It should be him. And then Raymond, it won't be much of a stray. I mean, it's going to be different for him because he's played with Larkin all season. He hasn't played. He's hasn't played really without Larkin at all in the NHL. But he's mm-hmm. played with Bertuzzi almost all season, too. And I think you should keep him and Bertuzzi together because they have chemistry. So I think it should be Valeno, Bertuzzi, and Raymond. They still have that engine. And right now, Valeno's engine has been crazy. Arguably the best Red Wing recently. Yeah. No, I – that tops – the top – anyway, those six players are what I want the top six to be. Me too. Regardless. I would maybe flip Zadina Raymond – because I did like the shift that I saw with – there was a couple shifts over the past two games where Verona would end up on a change as the left winger because they obviously with Ernie on the top line, they didn't actually play Ernie as the top line left wing. He averaged like almost 14 minutes, I think, where Larkin and Raymond were on 20. So there was some rotating, and obviously the power play, there was some time there. Um, and I really liked what I saw with Verona. I, obviously, I want Verona and Larkin. That's the duo I want. And when I was when I was alluding to the misusage of Jacob Rana, I'm not I'm not like I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to you know get him on the penalty kill by any means. I am. <laughs> um, no, I just want again what you said with Zegris is kind of accurate. Like I want any offensive zone start. I don't really like I don't understand when we have like an there's an icing on the other team and we we just throw um Adam Ernie out there. That should yeah. not be the case. Alva Faceoff, Jacob Verona needs to be out there. Like, and I agree, he needs to be utilized to the max five on five. That's he's so dangerous on the rush. That's yeah. where he is. He gets those quick breaks. He's gonna score. And um, you made me you made me think a little bit too. Like when you just said you should flip Raymond and Sedina. I'm still sticking with what I said. Uh, those are the lines I first want to see. Okay. But there was a couple shifts that Bertuzzi and Zadina played together. And they sparked a couple, like, off the rush. I mean, I don't know if you remember that one, but Bertuzzi so. made a really nice feed to Zadina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Zadina was robbed. It was against was um, was it against Seattle. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. But, I mean, those two. And then, like, you mentioning Zadina and the Raymond flip. I, I Honestly, I do want to see Raymond and Volano together. Yeah, I, uh, and no. keep and I want to see Bertuzzi and Valeno a little bit more together too, but the way Zadina and Valeno fed off of each other last game mm-hmm. was really awesome to watch because I think Valeno was bringing out some of the best in Zadina that I just want to see every single game from. Him. No, I, I I definitely 
yeah. Uh, anyway, those six are who should be in the top six. I think they can be mixed around a little bit, like we said. Um, but yeah, I even like like Michael Rasmussen the past couple of games. I think he's been one of the better forwards as well. Well, he's a guy that I think should be playing wing right now. He's been right. really good on the wing. And uh, I I have a third line that I think should stay a third line right now, or should be the third line, and that's Suter, centering Rasmussen and Hiroshi. Yeah. No matter who comes back in the lineup, I think Hiroshi should be playing on the third line. Yeah. He creates, mm. and he's not. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes, and he works his ass off. I I don't know why you would have Adam Ernie on a third line over him, ever, ever I don't either. And then what I want is when everyone's back healthy, it should be Steven centering Giovanni and Sunquist. Giovanni yeah. and Sunquist showed that like they feed off each other and are very physical and they work. And then Stevens, I, I can't wait for him to be back. I honestly think we forgot how valuable he was and how fun he is to watch. I'm curious if he comes back this week because he's been skating for so long. I mean, I don't know how they, they haven't given any update of like how long he's away. But it'd be really it'd be really funny because considering like we're going to the game and the last I saw him a week before he got hurt, he was out. So it'd be, be funny. It'd be funny if his comeback was would be the next time I'd see him. You know what I mean? Live. That would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I also thought it was weird about this game. It was kind of like nope, like Sam Gagne, I think was just a scratch. He was hurt. Oh, he's was hurt. He? Wasn't he? I don't know. It was like really like nobody really said anything was going on. All of a sudden, Osterley's playing fourth line. Oh, okay. I didn't even. He had that weird moment the game before, did he not? Where it oh, looked I like did... he got hurt. Maybe. I don't want to like assume something, but I I felt like he he went. He had like a weird situation where it looked like he went to the bench really weirdly. And then when I saw him not practicing, wasn't he not practicing? And no, he practiced. He practiced the day before because the fourth line was um, Hiroshi Bertuzzi at center and Gagne because they were just, oh, okay. Bertuzzi was just spot filling. Well, I thought that's why um, Chris Golo got called up is because Gagne was hurt. No, it was because who they? I think they just did it just because. Like, I don't remember. I thought it was weird. They wanted to play oh. Chris Golo if Gagne wasn't hurt. Gagne hasn't been bad, and Blasio loves Gagne. I know. Yeah. And again, that's why I thought it was weird too because I'm like Gagne. It's like he's fine. Again, he's a fourth line player, and but he's better than Jordan Osterley on the fourth line. Yeah, I, I honestly think that he. He must have had something going on. Yeah. Yeah, must have been. Um, but, yeah, um, Josh Norris playing his first game back in Detroit scores, too, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Pointing to his dad, really cool. Uh, Tim Stutzla and Mort Sider getting dinner together the night before. Also great. Good Bessie stuff. I did really like Tim Stutzla the past couple games. He's so Yeah, good. I mean, he's really good. Yeah. It's it's quite silly, honestly. Um, but yeah, I do agree with like with the lines we're kind of throwing out, and I think it'd just be so much better. Um, yeah, the game in Ottawa though got a little chippy. I I think um, Gus Lindstrom was kind of the the main guy getting into it a couple times with Tyler Ennis, especially, and he ended Tyler Ennis' season. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it wasn't I mean... like. It wasn't dirty or anything. It was a it, it was a board that went uncalled, and it looked like Ennis knocked out his shoulder. Yeah, I mean he went in complete shoulder. Uh, it, it was it could have been called a boarding because he was a little bit far off the boards, almost perfect distance for that to be called. 
The other one was really goofy. Yeah, then the knee. It looked like Lindstrom buried him. I mean, he was kind of just playing rough and tough. And then was it Wallman hit someone into uh Oh, you're talking about oh, that was the Formanton one. Well, who did Wallman hit into Formanton? Uh ooh, it was Connor Brown. Yeah, he kind of hit Connor Brown and Connor Brown's like knee went into Formanton's head and snapped back. That looks mm-hmm. scary. But Formanton ended up coming back. Yeah, and he and he was uh, you know, the NHL saying they're gonna, you know, end cross checking the season and then Formanton cross checks Lucas Raymond and then I literally swings thought- at him. I thought that was a flop at first. And I then I watched it back and I was like, oh my gosh, he actually got like a full blown cross check in the back. That was bad. Oh yeah. That was bad. And Larkin, I man, Larkin, he's the best leader. Like he's right in right in Formington's face. I love that. Yeah. Um man, I I what did cut me though, or actually I should mention Thomas Christ was playing this game and oh man, did he let in a rough one to start the game too? That was that was bad. Um, to be fair, uh, the rest of the game he kind of looked fine. <laughs> to be fair, uh, our boy Thomas Grice, usually when he lets he lets in, he's good for one uh, really bad one every game. Mm-hmm. And usually when he does let in that bad one, he's gonna have a good game. Like after, like he he'll have like a streak of like probably twelve saves, ten saves in a row, and then he'll let in a greaser. And then I'll have a good rest of the game. Is that like not accurate? Yeah, like he he almost needs that bad one. He's like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. Or else, <laughs> or else it's like three bad ones in the first period, and then you're like, this is a rough one. It's kind of like how I felt like when I play hockey. Like I needed like one, like to get me into a game like on a Sunday morning, you know, like an eight a.m. game. I need to get laid out. Like I need to, like I will put myself in a dangerous position just to get my clock cleaned. To oh, that's, that get, sounds really smart. Get the boots moving a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, uh, I, yeah, I did think Thomas Grice played a little bit better this game. Uh, so, I mean, good for him. You know, he's going he's gonna to play this week as a back-to-back. Good for that. But uh, the post-game comments from Larkin, yeesh. Not yeah, good. Those, those are rough. Those cut me a little bit as a fan. No one having fun? I mean, I, I can imagine nobody's having fun, but still – kind of hard to hear it but i did like how he mentioned like people should be playing for something because there's plenty of jobs up for up for grabs and people should be trying for spots and i do think like i don't know maybe that's just me thinking overthinking too much but like maybe like without fabry recently i feel like fabry is such a guy in the locker room where he gets the guys up a little bit more i don't know maybe i'm Um, overthinking it no i was actually thinking this before we got on um about those comments i I think like now is a time where you need change in the locker room if if everything's not going well and stuff is on the rocks, right? If there wasn't a coach named Jeff Blashill, now would be a time to call up a guy with a happy heartbeat, like a and a really skilled young player like John Jonathan Bergeron. But because of Jeff Blashill, this is a guy that I want nowhere near the Red Wings this this year. If that makes any sense to you, I, I think having a happy young heartbeat, a guy that's going to lift spirits from everything I've seen. And he's, uh, I know people have called him unprofessional because he's so goofy. Sometimes he likes to have fun. And I think, yeah. Really? You people gonna, call him unprofessional? Well, it's uh, because um, it was from that ice hockey gifts video on Bergeron. He, oh, he, yeah. 
he said uh, that he's a little goofy and likes to have a lot of fun, basically. And I think that's a good thing to have in a locker room during a time like this. But um, under Jeff Blaschel, I don't want him near the surface right now. Yeah, I was like, I think there, I think he should be called up at this point, honestly. With Blaschel? I think it's going to hurt him more than help him. Maybe, but if it's only a five-game stint. Okay, so here's my reasoning, mostly. Have you looked at the Grand Rapids Griffins record of late? Yeah, they've been bad. I watched That's what I'm the, saying. I, watched I know the argument yesterday. The argument from Eisman gave was like, well, they're playing important games down the stretch. They're set. They're last in their division and losing record. So I understand like if they were like whatever fourth or fifth and they're you know a couple points out. I don't. I and I know like at points this year the Griffins have kind of been they're they don't have a lot of depth this year. They have some good players, but they don't have a lot of depth. So I don't know. I for me, I think Bergren like what you said, a lot of energy for a fun young guy in the room could be something in a debut. I feel like players can rally around a, a, a guy's NHL debut. Yep. You know what I mean? So I think also with that, I mean, I know Jeff Blaschel loves like he, I, I don't know how much Jonathan, Jonathan Bergen would play, but I feel like, again, I, it's tough for a GM and like to guess how to GM and a coach communicate, but if I'm general manager, which doesn't mean anything because Steve Eisman doesn't think like you and I, I feel like I'd be sitting down. Jeff, he's like, listen, like this dude's playing top six managed deal with it. And he's, yeah, you have to, th- a guy like him, yeah. you have to throw in at least middle six to top six minutes. Uh, it's not a guy you can just shelter. I don't know. I, oh, I honestly wouldn't hate to see him up. I guess. I just don't know that I want him up with Blashel. I, Yeah. I'm writing about something like I'm writing about like what we talked about with uh, Zadina and Valeno not getting oppor- enough opportunity, I should say. And then and I'm like, the same could be said about Bergeron and McIsaac as well, because when it comes to this point of the season, we have not we're like we're not playing for really like we're playing for the future at this point. You need to see what you have out of players so it can influence Steve Eisman's decisions in the summer. Let's say Jonathan Bergeron looks comfortable in top six position. That's then you're like, okay, cool. Like we can try that in, in preseason and that could be an option. Right. And then you can focus your efforts elsewhere or Jared McIsaac's like, Oh, cool. He looks like a bot. He could be a bottom, maybe a bottom pair guy next year. Then you're looking elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like Steve Eisman, like it benefits Eisman and the management team. So they can focus efforts or if none of them, you learn that no, neither of them are ready. Cool. You know, it's not a big deal. Yes. And no. I guess the more I've watched them in their own ways, I don't know if they are, if they should be rushed this year, I guess. I don't know that they are NHL ready. That's what I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just making, like, I don't think they are either. I think Bergen more so than McIsaac, but. The more I've watched McIsaac, I think he should spend the rest of the year in the AHL and not even push him because that, that can just be a confidence killer, right? You go up and you're not completely ready. Yeah. Or I think Bergen, if you put if you put him with good players, he will. I think he will perform. It just will take a little bit of adjusting. I mean, I, I thought before he got hurt in uh, the uh, tournament there, the prospect tournament, mm-hmm. he was arguably the best player in on the Red Wings. Not arguably, he was. Yeah, he was dominant. Yeah, for the, the and it, game, it was yeah. taking Raymond a little bit more time to adjust than it was Bergeron. Yeah, because Bergeron's so good at playing perimeter. 
And with good players, it's easier to play perimeter. And he's playing Flano and Raymond. Yep. No, I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, I would be pushing more so for Berggren rather than McIsaac. But again, I think it can. he still can be message, mentioned because McIsaac, I know Ben Simons pointed out like how impressive he's been this year. Yeah, and I just I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I like McIsaac. I just he's a guy that I don't want to see his confidence just get burnt from going up too early. Where I think Bergen right. could handle it a little bit better. I could be completely wrong though. Right, and I I guess I was kind of like I I brought it up to you with Chris Colo being the one that was playing versus Bergen. In a situation like that. I mean, I thought Chris Gola played fine. I'm not taking anything. Like, I thought he was actually kind of good. Him and Rossi had a couple of decent chances. Yeah. But, again, whatever. Uh, not a huge deal, but I would like to see. Who knows? Maybe Bergeron's there. You know, maybe he's playing this week. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's – we can start to wrap up. We can get a couple of fun things here. But um, the kind of – not – yeah, kind of surprising news, I would say, at the beginning of the week. Um. Again, this is something I've always I always want the Red Wings to look into because it's just so it's so easy and smart. Um, is the college free agent pool, and Ben Myers is reported that the fine like the two front runners to land him is Minnesota and Detroit. I saw uh, Philly ben, in the mix. Too. Yeah, they're in the they're in the mix, which makes a ton of sense because they have a bunch of roster spots right now. Um. They're in the mix, but it Fried, Elliot Friedman reported it, and he's more convinced that it's between Minnesota and Detroit. Um, but yeah, Ben Myers now a he's one of the top three finalists for the Hobie Baker as a junior, which is very impressive. He's 23, 5'11, uh, 200 pounds, so he's not a big guy. Plays center and wing, but um, what I saw from Corey Pronman's article ranking the top available college free agents, he was ranked second available, but um he projects him more as a bottom six winger. Um, but what I saw, what I've seen out of him, he plays for Minnesota, by the way, I didn't, I forgot to mention he's captain of Minnesota, uh, 41 points in I think 35 games this year. And he's been really good of late. He also played for the Olympic team, the U S Olympic team. He had four points, four games, uh, 15 points in his last seven games since coming back from the Olympics, which a lot of those have been playoff games. Who is the, who did Promen have as number one? I don't remember. He was second though. They were in the same. They were in the same t- uh You know. You know. He does tiers. Yeah. He the tier was like NHL player, and they were both in the same tier. But he he was ranked second. I don't I'm remember who, to think who that would be. I don't know. I, it wasn't Dryden McKay. It wasn't the goalie. I, mean, I don't know who it was then. Dryden McKay to the Red Wings. I mean, I'd love that too. Um, but yeah, I what I've seen out of um, Ben Myers, he's very skilled. Like he's try he tries like the image between, between the legs moved a little bit. Underrated shot too. He kind of plays the bumper on Minnesota's power play, and he scored a couple goals like that. He has a pretty nice release. Um, but again, his size is a little concerned. But he skates pretty well and he competes. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the news about Ben Myers? I mean, I wouldn't get too gung ho about it too early. Uh, but I do think that is a guy the Red Wings should. Uh, there's no reason not to go after like high touted college free agents because these are roster spots and they're young players that have been untouched. And a Red Wing, the Red Wings are a team right now that I think would be really appealing to a young college free agent, right? I mean, 
it's said that they're competing with Minnesota. Why would you want to go to Minnesota over Detroit right now if you're a young college forward? They have way more roster roster openings right now. I mean, I guess if you look in the future for Minnesota, they're kind of in a cap pinch and you might be able to squeeze in there next year. And I guess that's where you're playing right now. So I, it can be appealing, but to me, I would want to go to a team that I know I'd be able to play for right away and that you're going to get that opportunity. And I think that's a guy that the Red Wings should want to suit in their lineup right away and see what they have there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this would be the first time the Red Wings would get a college free agent since um, Hiroshi and Kuffner the same year, um, which is saying something. Uh, but no, I think again with Minnesota, it's kind of the argument of does the hometown guy want to go home and play for because he's from 20 minutes outside of Twin Cities, yeah. um, or does he want the roster opportunity? I mean, obviously with Detroit, he's going to get NHL money right away. Where Minnesota, I feel like he'd end up in Iowa first, and then he's probably not going to make Minnesota until next year, like you said with the cap issues. Yeah, he'd so, probably make it next year. Um, he, he, I think he would make it next year, which would be the selling point for Bill Guerin. Is be like, listen, like you're going to be a black ace to the playoffs, but you get to be on the team next year. But Detroit mm. can sell him off middle six opportunity higher in the lineup with power play time. The other thing with him is they, or with college free agents itself, I, I find it hard to get super gung ho about them because of, I mean, you have the really highly touted ones that come into the league, like Donato and BC. Uh, yeah, VC. VC was uh yeah. But uh those are two guys that were super highly touted. I mean, they had such high hopes coming to the NHL for those guys. But no, I think think he is a guy that could be of NHL use. Yeah, again, I think yeah, he's 23. And a good thing about college prospects is is, is we're not drafting them and waiting five years. Yeah. We're getting them at their when they're fully de- like not fully developed, but they're you know they're NHL ready. Um, yeah, with with Myers, um, I think it's it is important for you brought up a good point about fans having expectations of what they are as a player because like one like cool he I mean, he's one of the best college players this year, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a top six guy in the NHL. Um, I do think his game fits well, like the way he competes and stuff, and I think he's going to be an NHL guy. And again, like when you brought up, brought up Donato, I think he's been a solid he's been a solid player for Seattle this year. Yeah, as a third as a third liner. And again, six shootout he, guy, he's six shootout guy. If you get a, if you get a free third liner, that's not bad. That's good work. Well, a third liner of Seattle is a healthy scratch in Tampa Bay. So, okay, we're talking about Detroit right now too. So same same thing as Seattle. Uh, well, yeah, right now, yeah. At the very least, it's a stopgap for a couple of years, right? Let's say if Detroit's still like, I don't know, depending how the offseason goes, whatever. But I mean, it's still an opportunity. And also, we don't have a lot of guys that can play center that are NHL ready. You know what I mean? Behind, um, like, obviously, Rasmus can play center, but we want him to be wing. Joe Valeno can play center and he should be a center. Q Suter, I don't know what he's doing. Um, he's but I think, like, he's there. Grand Rapids, though, you look at that. I mean, you have Chase Pearson. Uh, okay. Um, and then after that, like, what else is in Grand Rapids center-wise? Yeah, there's nothing right now. No. So, again, it's just organizational depth, which I think is a huge positive. And I'm excited. Like, um, 
it'll be interesting to see because uh frozen uh frozen fine or frozen four excuse me um thursday they play um minnesota state um, that's your wagon so, of a game yeah i mean two really good games uh denver versus michigan too oh my gosh yeah that one's gonna be fun um so we yeah obviously don't we won't find out until like the end of this week uh until he makes a decision but I do think Detroit would be a good spot for any player like that. And also, also when Steve Eisman's calling you or your your um, family advisor at this point, it means something. So that is, I do like – I mean, also when Bill Guerin's calling you too. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Again, there's that too. There's that too. Um, but, yeah, I think we can finish off on uh, some Swedish playoffs because, you know, that's what the Red Wing fans have to look forward to at this point. Uh, for Lunda, Elmer Soderblom had 12 shots through two games. And yeah. And a goal and two assists. I mean, I watched overtime in game two. And in my opinion, it wasn't even close on anyone was close to him on at player-wise. He was obviously the MVP of that game in my eyes. Uh, he was so dominant in that that overtime, like yeah, st- stupidly. I know a lot of my criticism, not even criticism, my a lot of of my what he needs to get better at is cons- consistency. And so far during the playoffs, he has been so consistent on being the best player on the ice. Basically, he's been a freak. Well, he's the perfect linemate in Ryan Lash. Yeah, the right. size di- also the size difference is it does not evade me how funny that is. Five five seven player to six eight player. Yeah. So funny. Um, but no, I yeah, the highlights I've seen obviously, and um his head coach, uh is it Ronberg? Yeah, I think it's his name. Um, yeah, calling Elmer Elmer world class skill. That means something. Uh, but no, the highlights, he's just a menace. I sent it to dad, the highlights. Um, but yeah, also Edvinson playing 23 plus minutes, both games. Uh, he looked good in the highlights as well. And he's, I'm so excited for both of them. And there was an article that came out that was translated on Twitter. Um, and it said basically the expectation is Soderblom signing with the Red Wings as soon as the season's over. And yeah. same, same with Edvinson. Uh, and the worst part about that is, which makes me, like, super worried, like, I guess part of me wouldn't hate to see them lose just to have the possibility of them coming over. <laughs> but it's terrible. Like, I, I really want them to go far, and I think that for a London team could make a run. Yeah, the only issue with your – I mean, obviously, dream idea, like, if they were able to come over. But the visa – like, I don't know how long it takes to get visas and stuff. There's so many, there's so much to go goes along with that, where they'd only might be able to get like two or three games. Yeah. So I wouldn't really, I'm, yeah, I I hope for I again I agree with you. I hope they just go as far as they can with Frolanda. I'm not too worried about yeah. them getting over to Detroit. Um. Also, William Wallinder, his highlights, he looked good. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm pretty interested on too, and I've liked the way he's played. I think that series is one one, right? Or no, it's two one Robo, I think. Yeah. But he's he's looked pretty solid. Uh I mean they're playing a, they finished first, so they're playing Oscar Sham, I think is how you pronounce yeah. it. And they're kind of weaker. But right. Wallander's playing pretty solid minutes, which is really nice to see. 
Yeah, so he played uh, last – today's game, he played, what, 20 minutes? Probably somewhere around there. Which I is, didn't get to watch I mean, it. I, I didn't either. I, I just saw that, again, ice hockey gifts on Twitter is just uh, the biggest lifesaver when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I was like 20 minutes and – almost 21 minutes, I think it was. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Um, kind of wrap also, up. Also, Albert Johansson. Oh, yeah, he looked good too. Well – that series right now, them being up literally 2-0, I think, against Sketa. And Sketa was heavy favorites. Yeah. Against them. And Albert, he's so creative. And uh, he may, makes a lot of stuff happen on the rush, too, because he likes to jump in. Kind of scary, not going to lie, but he he's a lot of fun. Our left side's at, our left side in Grand Rapids next year is just like the it's all prospects. Well, I'm curious to see who they what they do because you literally have so many guys that you could bring over, and then you already have Sabrango and McIsaac down there. Firo, Johansson, Wallinder. I, I think Wallinder's staying. Well, I think so too, but it, there's still that chance, right? Because you could argue that Wallinder's further along all-around game than Johansson is already. Could be argued, yeah. I I almost wouldn't argue it. I think Johansson is more raw, and he's so talented offensively, but he makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Yep, yeah, we'll be be interesting for that. Um, But, yeah, I guess uh, I get to see you in a couple days. Sadly. Sadly, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll be in attendance for the Red Wings-Columbus game. I'm pretty excited to be back in Detroit. I mean, that's been a few years since uh, I've been to watch a game. Grant went last year, and you went for the infamous uh, Jonathan Bernier game. Yeah. Good, Good game. Stuff. It was it was a fun game. Dennis Chalowski, C-Bar on 14 shots on goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yeah, we'll be back to recap. And hopefully Andy will be back. Uh, he was a bit under the weather today. We can – recap the Columbus game and our experience in Detroit. But uh, yeah, it's going to do it for this one. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening.